1: Thanks for joining us today on Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt. I'm joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts Amy Bird and Carl Truman. And uh, today, uh, we want to spend a little bit of time dealing with a question that we received from one of our listeners. And it's a good question, and it's it's a question we receive periodically. It's it's a question that's related to a lot of other questions we receive. Um, but we wanted to take uh, a little bit of time on, on this today. Amy, um, why don't you tell us what uh, what you got from one of our listeners?
2: Yeah, it's interesting, Todd, because it's on Twitter, and we are both tagged in. Of course, Carl's not on Twitter. Exactly. So it says, Amy and Todd, hey, guys, wondering if you would be willing to do a favor and ask the famous Carl Truman answer a question My what are we you know his middlemen?
1: yeah right i'm I mean, not his errand boy whatever yeah
2: anyway blah 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 i'm taking a class with dr van hooser on the essentials of reformed theology how would carl answer what makes one reformed
1: other than good hair <laughs> yeah, well, you and I would not be reformed
3: on that uh, score. I, I, I think the term reformed is used in a number of different ways, so we we'll would have to specify specifically how you're, you're mm-hmm. using it. Mm-hmm. When you think of the young, restless, and reformed, when, when it's used in that kind of context, typically it tends to mean... Calvinistic in some way. Right. Holding to predestinarian. Yeah, so holding to a sort of predestinarian theology, and often not a lot more than that. Right. So, you know, on that score, you'd have Reformed Southern Baptists, for Mm -hmm. example, maybe even Reformed Pentecostals. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's an illegitimate use of the term, but I think I'd rather use the term in a narrower, more specific ecclesiastical sense to refer to those churches, those denominations that hold to confessional standards produced at the Reformation by the Reformed churches of the Reformation. Typically, uh, we're thinking of churches that adhere to the Westminster Confession of Faith Mm -hmm. and the Catechisms, or to the three forms of unity, the Belgic Confession, Mm -hmm. the Heidelberg Catechism, and the the Canons of Dort. When we talk about Reformed in those more narrow uh, contexts, we're not Mm -hmm. only, I think, thinking about... Uh, a Calvinistic understanding of Mm -hmm. salvation, a predestinarian understanding of salvation. We're also thinking about infant baptism, Mm -hmm. covenantally understood, Mm -hmm. and we're thinking about connectional church order, Mm -hmm. churches that uh, have a territorial view of the church, a a view of the church that uh, sees church governance as having uh, relevance beyond simply the local Congregation. Mm-hmm. So Presbyterian and, and Reformed yeah. churches in, in that sort of context. And I would want to add a further dimension to that and say that when I think of Reformed, by adhering to, to those 16th, 17th century confessions, I'm also thinking of traditions of Christianity that connect themselves back to the early church mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think the Reformed church has a Catholicity to it, mm-hmm. that it self-consciously connects Back through the Middle Ages to the creeds of the, and the reformers, of the early
1: church, and the reformers certainly do that. When yeah. you read Luther and Calvin, um, it's a, it's it's amazing. If if you weren't already aware of this, it was for me early on when I started reading Luther and Calvin. I was amazed at how many at how much they referenced the patristics. Yeah, right. Yeah, it kept going back to the church fathers, and that was incredibly helpful for me yeah. early on. Isn't um, that the
2: point of the word reformed?
1: Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. It is is that um, they they were not looking to invent something new, but to mm-hmm. recover something old?
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: So that's where I would go and answer that question. Say if it, whatever reformed things are, and obviously, you know, Dr. Van Huys is a friend of this program. We've had mm-hmm. him on, and mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what he's teaching, but my mm-hmm. guess is that his understanding of reformed essentials, reformed distinctives, would track back. Uh, in some significant mm-hmm. way to the the kind of priorities and emphases mm-hmm. one finds in the Westminster Confession, right. Right. Uh, the Three Forms of Unity, or even the Anglican Thirty-Nine mm-hmm. Articles, mm-hmm. that I would argue are reformed to an extent right. in their theology.
2: And he really, you know, writes a lot about the the solas, mm-hmm. from, yeah, from the Reformation. Yeah.
1: So, uh, w- one of the big concerns of the reformers was, of course, the reform of of worship. And so it was interesting. I was in Scotland recently, and um, I will add that we have Carl Truman's much better half with us in the room today, Katrina, Mm -hmm. who is gloriously Scottish, so much better than those annoying English people, so much better, (laughs) and uh, I mean, just less pretentious, kinder, and when it comes right down to it, the Scottish, for all of the accolades that English accents get over here, the Scottish accent is kind of... It's uh, it's it's up another notch. Anyway, <laughs>
2: en- enough of that. But but when I when enough I, about how Carl yeah, married up
1: exactly when I was in my my wife and I had had the privilege of being in Scotland recently, and one of the things that was really interesting about being, for instance, in in Edinburgh, was going into St Giles uh, Cathedral, and of course originally a Roman Catholic cathedral and and um, incredibly ornate, incredibly beautiful, um, but of course. In, in the years of, of reform there in Scotland, and of course, uh, uh, Knox was the, the minister at St Giles from like fifteen sixty till his death in seventy two. Um, uh, w- would have also gotten rid of a lot of things that were uh, that, that would have been in that uh, cathedral. So there was a, a tremendous concern to reform uh, the, the the worship of the church. And so, if 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 somebody's wondering, you know, how how, how do I be you know, reformed or, or or what do I need to be looking for in a reformed church? Again, you mentioned, Carl, this um, kind of uh, merest of mere kind of reformed, which is uh, the, the charismatic uh, non-denominational Baptist who kind of likes unconditional election, which we would have a hard time calling that reformed. But if a person's really interested in being in a reformed church, how about just worship? What what would we encourage them to kind of look for, for lack of a better phrase, um, in 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 the commitments of of that church in terms of its of its worship?
3: Well, I think the. You're correct. One of the things that distinguishes the reform from the Lutherans during the Reformation is, I think, a, a different understanding of the times. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot of overlap theologically between Lutheran and reform, justification by grace through mm-hmm. faith being the obvious point, scriptural principle yeah. being another one. But the understanding of the times was somewhat different. The, Ref- the Lutheran, particularly Luther, I think, thought he was living at the end of time. Right. The Reformation was the recovery of the gospel at the end of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas for Calvin and, and even more so for somebody like Knox there was this feeling they were living through a time that was not a, not the book of Revelation so much as a recapitulation of the kingdom narratives of the Old Testament. So Knox talks a lot about Josiah, idolatry, etc., etc. Calvin sees the heart of the Reformation as the Reformation of worship. So you're absolutely right in seeing the Reformation of worship as key to what is Reformed. And then I think we look at the the Reformed focused on simplifying worship, mm-hmm. the idea of what they called the regulative principle of worship, which was if it isn't prescribed in Scripture, then it shouldn't form part of the public worship of God, was their guiding principle. It was understood and applied in, in, in slightly different ways in different places. Zwingli, for example, did not like music in <laughs> worship in a way that, that Calvin had no problem with with music. Uh, in worship, and today some Reformed churches are very much psalm only. Others mm-hmm. uh, will have psalms and scripture songs. Some will have will have hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there there are different applications of these of the the regulative principle. But by and large, what all Reformed churches share in common is a desire to see worship as, as simple, right. as defined by the reading and proclamation of the word, the singing of hymns. Uh, and psalms, uh, the administration of the sacraments, public prayer, the giving of tithes. These are the basic elements of Reformed worship. And one of the great things about that is it it—it cuts out the need for gimmicks. Right? You don't have to have gimmicks if you have word and sacrament mm-hmm. applied in those kind of ways. So if you're looking for a Reformed church, <clears throat> Typically, you, you will find if you walk into a Reformed church, a Presbyterian church or a, uh, a Reformed church, uh, you will find a, a simplicity mm-hmm. to worship that perhaps might be a little jarring to begin with right. if you're used to the sort of the whiz-bangs of the mm-hmm. mega-church or you're coming from a more ornate and elaborate form uh, uh, of worship, as you might find a Roman Catholic mm-hmm. church or a high Anglican church or even a Lutheran church. Right. You come to a Reformed church, you'll find a uh, you should find— a a a simple form of worship focused upon the reading proclamation of the word prayer singing administration of the sacraments and the giving of tithes and oh, offerings.
1: Yeah, The minister probably won't process in with a mace held high or anything like that. Shouldn't do, yeah. shouldn't yeah. do. Now, we, we've started that at the church, because I kind of like that. So <laughs> well,
3: I, I preached at an Anglican church last Sunday, a good, good friend, Ethan Magnus, who's mm-hmm. the uh, minister of the Anglican church in Grove City, and uh, I had to process in with the, with, uh, the team, but uh, I didn't wear robes. There you go. And interesting enough, I didn't bow to the table. Good when I was getting you. the others all bowed to the uh-huh. table and they were and I didn't do that I yeah. was making my Presbyterian good
1: point. for you good uh, for uh, you
3: respectfully of course um, and of course. then chained myself to the uh, the altar rail and uh-huh. started screaming and shouting yeah. about priestcraft and idolatry <laughs> and things like that <laughs> papists uh, what yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: um, one term that really when I use it in any kind of speaking that I'm doing or mm-hmm. in, in writing uh, from for a, you know, a broader readership of maybe my books will will ask me about um, ordinary means because mm-hmm. like I'll use this, you know being in the Presbyterian Church, we just have such an understanding of uh, God's presence in the ordinary means of grace. But a lot of of people maybe in Baptist churches that um, would call themselves reformed don't understand like right. what, what maybe you want to expand on what that term means, exactly. ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it was the famous Dr. Truman, you mean. I know.
2: I, I didn't know if we were continuing to interview. No, <laughs> no. Nope, nope. Yeah, famous Dr. Famous. Truman. Because
1: that, that was huge for me as well. I mm-hmm. Growing up as a Southern Baptist, and conservative Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. where, where the Bible was treasured, the gospel was preached, I'd never heard the term the ordinary means of grace. And it's grace. pretty liberating, actually, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, very much so.
3: And, and the ordinary means of grace are the word and sacraments. Mm-hmm of the Church. And the idea is that God has, although these are very humble means, outwardly speaking, the preached word, bread and wine, water in baptism, although these are very ordinary and humble outward means, uh, these are the things that the Lord has chosen to use powerfully for the extension of His kingdom the transformation of His people. And because He has chosen to, we might say, to bless these particular things in that way, therefore you know, we don't have to do the Ed Young right. riding down on the motorbike mm-hmm. onto the stage. We don't have to have the ninety-day bed-in or whatever. Right. You know, the the kind of dare I say it really childish yeah. gimmicks mm-hmm. that are used to build the church. These are not things, You know, the Lord may choose to mm-hmm. bless anything extraordinarily mm-hmm. right. Uh, right. to bring somebody to uh, into into the kingdom, but. We should expect typically that he uses the proclamation of the word, baptism, mm-hmm. and the Lord's yeah, Supper. Those I think are the that's things really that profound, he's supposed to Because in baptism.
2: our time, we are mm. exposed to very extraordinary means. I mean, just, you know, my cell phone is a pretty extraordinary means mm-hmm. of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, we can get all caught up in how extraordinary the the means are, mm-hmm. but it's just really. Basic data, mm-hmm. most of the time yeah. that we're getting off of here. There's nothing yeah. transformative in a positive way um, through those extraordinary means, and and then we come and we're called to worship, and God blesses us through these ordinary means with extraordinary grace. Yeah, yeah.
3: Michael Hanby, the the, the Roman Catholic. Uh, thinker and theologian uh, uses this phrase technology is ontology to mean that Mm. the the Mm -hmm. technology of the world in which we live shapes how we think Mm -hmm. and exist and and that's a good way of thinking about this because we live in a very technological world we live in a very technique oriented Mm -hmm. world and 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 they're mediators yeah and Mm -hmm. the, the temptation is I mean, I remember sitting on a panel at Southern Seminary some years ago with a group of megachurch pastors. and I was there. You were there. And there was the president, I think, of the Free Will Baptist uh-huh. uh, Seminary or College. And it was an interesting panel. Uh, yeah. There was uh, J.D. Grier, um a rap singer whose name I can't remember, yeah. uh, and Josh Harris, Josh Harris, Russell Moore, then myself and, and the gentleman and, from and, the... F- and then a, a, an Arminian. Yeah, an Armenian, And we were being asked various questions about, I suppose we would say about church growth. Mm-hmm. And interesting that myself and the Armenian, mm-hmm. every time we're asked a question, we basically said, well, look, this is what Paul says in... Right. In the pastoral epistles, this is the ordinary stuff, and the other guys all mm-hmm. sort of said, "Yeah, we tried that, and it doesn't work." Yeah,
1: it was all and, more, more or less yeah, pragmatic. And, and the
3: subtext was, "And our churches are much, much bigger than yours," <laughs> which I could not deny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it struck me as that that was a clash of. Within, if you like, the Calvinistic family, mm-hmm. what you saw there, although the Arminian would not appreciate no. me, referring but within the the broader Christian family, you saw there a, a, the conflict between the ordinary means guys, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. myself and the Arminian right. gentleman, who's a really fine fellow. We yeah. uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my evening mm-hmm. with him. Uh, and those who may have got some of the theology of God's sovereignty, but I don't think really got the theology of you know, we don't do church, God does church, and how mm-hmm. God... right. Now, yeah,
1: it, it had not shaped church. their ecclesiology, no, and of course, no. ecclesiology was a major focus of the Reformation. Yeah. It wasn't just about giving us five points. It was about reforming the church and how church is done and how it worships. And, you know, I, I having grown up in broad conservative evangelicalism in the Southern Baptist Convention, fortunately, I never had kind of the nonsense... Dog and pony show going on in the church that I grew up. However, th- there was still the kind of uh, captivity to the spectacular, and so you had you know you had the the, the, the fall uh, revival and the spring revival, and you know every everything, every service, every thing that you gathered for had to be big. It had to be mm-hmm. impact. Had to be mm-hmm. wow. You know, just you know, God had to just come and just knock our socks off. God just had to really. And this was non-charismatic. This was Southern Baptist. But, but God just had to really, quote, do something to, to really move us, you know, every time. And,
2: and by that, you mean to the altar call.
1: Well, <laughs> always culminated in the come forward mm-hmm. and, and, you know, rededicate or let the Lord move in your heart or, or whatever. And there was just not a category of the steady, plodding, non spectacular, but wholly sufficient ordinary means of when we're sitting under the right preaching of the word mm. God is at work whether or not it's big and knocks your socks off or not yeah. God is at work I, I, I think about um, Psalm 63 David is in the Judean wilderness and he longs to be back in the sanctuary longs to be back in the sanctuary and he, he refers to the fact that where, where he saw you know I saw your power and your glory and, and my theory on that is we don't have a record of David seeing visions like the prophets did, like mm-hmm. Isaiah did, but, but just being there for the ordinary work of, of the tabernacle. Yeah. And I'm convinced that when he refers to God's power and his glory, he's referring to what at that time were God's ordinary means for his people. Um, the ark was there. Uh, the priests were doing their business there. Um, the people gathered for prayer and praise there. And it was in those things, those ordinary things that God had prescribed, where David saw God's power and His glory, mm-hmm. um, and how sad that so often so many of us grow up missing the glory and the power in God's ordinary means.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and so, I, yeah, I would say if, if if you're wondering whether or not a a church is reformed, do they do they have a lot of confidence that God still uses and moves in and works through? Um, His ordinary means. (laughs) One other aspect of this I I, I would want to ask about is um, a big concern of the Reformation was the recovery of the role of the minister. What's distinctive? What was distinctive about um, the recovery of of the ministry um, and the role of ministers, the role of the pastor in in the Reformation?
3: Well, that's a huge question, yeah. and, and it actually changes a bit over time because one thing a lot of people know about the Reformation is it advocates the priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, you don't get a whole lot about the priesthood of right. all believers after 1525 and the Peasants' War when sort of chaos right. spreads across the, uh, the, the, the Holy Roman Empire. I think the, the key thing in the Reformation is that the minister ceases to be a priest, that essentially the, the minister ceases to be a mediator in a priestly sense between the people mm. and God. Uh, the minister's role is, it sounds almost tautological, uh, the minister's role is ministerial, mm-hmm. it's not priestly. That uh, he speaks God's word to the people and when he leads the congregation in prayer, he he he, he leads the people in prayer to God. Mm-hmm. So there is a kind of mediating role there, but to be understood in a ministerial way, it's nothing intrinsic or special that inheres in him. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the problems, again, going to, to, to evangelicalism uh, on this one, there's a sense in which uh, evangelicalism, particularly in its American form, is is very democratic and egalitarian. I don't mean in any sort of cancel biblical manhood, mm-hmm. etc. says, you know, I'm not talking male female here. Right. I mean in terms of seeing well, everybody has equal access to God, mm-hmm. and and that there's a truth there. Right. But what the Reformation did, I think, was, was recapture a proper biblical understanding of leadership in the church. That it was not simply The Old Testament priesthood carried forward with New Testament Mm -hmm. sacraments. The the leadership in the church is there to lead and guide the church. There is, if you like, in a sense, a hierarchy, uh, but it's not a priestly hierarchy. And and that I think, again, if you're looking for a reform distinctive, when you come to ecclesiology, worship is one thing, but also an appropriate understanding of of the importance of office bearing, Mm -hmm. uh, which can take numerous forms, but the one form it cannot take is the kind of democratic Mm free-for-all that permeates a lot of evangelical Protestant thinking today. The flip side of that, I say this to students in class, of course, is that sometimes in Presbyterianism, we can so exalt the role of the minister in opposition to this democratic egalitarianism Mm -hmm. that we we almost end up with a new priesthood. So, you know, the the problem in our day is not the problem it was in the Reformation. In the Reformation, they were trying to make the priesthood into a ministerial ministry. Mm -hmm. I think our problem today is we we're trying to get we need to get away from uh, radical democracy, and that can lead us to to over-emphasizing right. the the special role of the minister.
1: Yeah, and if I could get nitpicky about a trend in some corners of my own denomination, please do. Please do. <laughs> it, it ties in with this very thing: is that. Uh, some of the, One of the issues that some of us in the PCA that are concerned look at is, is, is kind of a, um, a, a new rising clericalism where the role of the minister can almost start to look a little priest-ish. And so one example I have of that, I was, I was at a PCA church for a, um, a special event recently and there, and there was a worship service and there was communion served the Lord's Supper. And the way that they, this is a PCA church, the way that they practice the Lord's Supper is that the, the people there in the church go up and individually receive, they hold out their hands and receive the bread and then go down and hold out their hand and receive uh, the cup from the hands of, of a pastor. And I, I I really had a hard time with that. It's
3: kind of Anglican approach. And, in some and ways.
1: again, it was, and, and Anglicans, they don't call them pastors. I mean, they're priests, right? You know, and, and that, and you know, as Presbyterians... We don't call them priests, and they're not to function as priests. And so, it really bothered me to be in a Presbyterian church, finding myself holding out my hand to receive a wafer from uh, the pastor. And and I and I say that only to say, if you're joining a, a Presbyterian church and you're going, you know, I, I you know, I'm looking for a, a reformed approach to pastoral ministry. Just um, you know, again, look for those things. Do, do the ministers of the church understand themselves as as ministers? Um, and and not as priests. If you want a priest, you can go to a, a, an Anglican church uh, where they'll have a, a priest for you. But I'm not a big fan. <laughs> so anyway, if anybody uh, knows where I'm from and they can start to triangulate the church where I, I was, then they can feel free to to do that. What, what he just
3: said. <laughs> I was no, I was actually going to say you can take the boy out the Southern Baptist Convention. So but let, you me, let me cannot take the Southern let Baptist me ask, Convention out okay, of the boy.
1: Okay, Truman. Then let me ask you this. When you were pastor at Cornerstone, would you have administered the Lord's Supper that way? No.
3: Okay. Uh, I, I, it's, it's a tricky issue. Uh, I, you know, I was at an Anglican church just two weeks ago mm-hmm. preaching, and that was how the Lord's Supper. was If I was at an the, Anglican church, I took it. it, it. I would have been okay. Um, you know, the issue of integrity with one's tradition is a yes. tricky one, but I would say to, to a church like that, you know, if your minister wants to be. An Anglican, mm-hmm. why doesn't he just be an, be an Anglican?
1: Anglican? There's good people uh, that are an Anglicans.
3: Yeah, there are good <laughs> Anglicans out there. And it's my argument on Lent. Lent uh, doesn't make sense in a Presbyterian it does context. Not. I got into trouble for saying that. Every year, somebody reprints my article on that, and somebody contacts me. There's PCA pastors that love Lent out um, there. They love it. If you want to be an Anglican, be an Anglican. The Anglican church in this country needs support, so (laughs) please be one. I I, I worry when people alter tradition like that. The, The suspicious part of my mind goes to, What's really going on? Is right. it just this isolated bit of the tradition you want to tinker with or right. is there a major transformation taking place? Yep. Uh,
2: See this this discussion right here mm-hmm. opens up a whole can of worms of more questions for me. Mm-hmm. One I'm thinking of though is just what did communion look like during the Reformation? Mm-hmm. Like, how did they? Yeah. I mean, they had did a they salad bar. They had did a they salad have, bar. And it yeah. was, you know, I just have questions
1: right. about
3: that. When well, Knox would have had a table, mm-hmm. I mean, he wanted mm-hmm. to sit around a table mm-hmm. and have communion, so it would have looked somewhat like a 16th century meal. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the big issue for Knox, of course, was kneeling at communion. That was where he Mm -hmm. ran foul of the second book of common prayer because kneeling was retained as a practice. Mm -hmm. And Knox objected, preached against it in front of the the young King Edward VI. -hmm. Uh, So kneeling was a big issue for him because it implied... In the context of the 16th century, it implied worship of of Christ in the elements. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm not sure that your average Anglican no, today, yeah. needing right. to receive communion, mm-hmm. is is worshiping the elements. No, you know, yeah. I think there are contextual factors mm-hmm. there that would lead right. me. You know, I was wondering the other week when I was at the yeah. Anglican Church if they knelt to receive communion. Would I would I have knelt to receive the elements? Yeah. I'm not sure, yeah. but I certainly didn't would not have regarded the other friends there as sinning mm-hmm. if they did kneel to receive yeah. communion. But I wouldn't want to implement it in a in a Presbyterian mm-hmm. context.
2: I mean, and then there's the question of, I mean, now we do so many different, you know, wafers and all these different things and grape Ooh, juice and gluten free. I mean, so Ooh, there are a lot of differences
3: gluten-free. still. Onions. Oh man, yeah. Cruella oh, Deville's husband me. refers to the trans allergic community, <laughs> and I think that that sums up some of the objections to. Uh, you know, not yeah. everybody has Crohn's disease. <laughs> yeah. I
2: know. So. My husband says he's allergic to uh, gluten-free. I'm, a, I'm allergic <laughs>
3: to vegans, I have yeah. to say. This is a- yeah.
2: yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I just, even in thinking in a Reformed church, uh, how similar is our Lord's Supper to beginning Reformed churches? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't Ours know a lot about like it. what it Art, looked like, yeah. but I, I have some suspicions that, that, that and, there are. A and lot I of think
3: we have to allow that there's you know, it's one of those areas where there's uh a certain amount of freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. in the in the first century they would not have taken the Lord's Supper in any way that looked like Knox took it in the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. They'd probably been reclaimed. Right, and they go back to the, th- right. exactly, so the early church. I, is like, there is a there's a lot of cultural Mm -hmm. But as what I get concerned about with things like the intinction debate is not so much intinction in isolation Mm -hmm. as how does this fit into a bigger vision of what's going Mm -hmm. on? Why do you suddenly want to do intinction? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's my kind of conspiracy theory, Mm -hmm. suspicion.
2: Here's kind of another rabbit trail in that rabbit trail. Um, During communion, Mm -hmm. everybody is extremely solemn. Mm-hmm. And I understand that um examining yourself. Yes. Mm. element to it. But then I also think of, you know, when Christ instituted it. And I and I also think of the Emmaus Road, and I also think of you know the next time that we eat bread with mm-hmm. the Lord. The rejoicing mm-hmm. that we're looking forward to in our remembrance as yeah. well. Like and and when you think of them having the love feasts in the early church, Mean, we
3: Presbyterians, we rejoice in a very solemn, uh, yeah. so it, it, like
2: I, it, I struggle with, like I'm like w- wanting to look around and smile at everybody. Su- oh like, no, no, we're no, no! no. That's because you're, super, you're
3: superficial.
2: This yeah. is wonderful, <laughs>
1: like, Amy. You're getting hysterical. We are yeah. going to be on the I, new I, heavens uh, and the new earth, uh,
2: you know, doing this. So I just mm-hmm. the great I, everlasting feast.
1: So, I I think I get that. I I part of me wants to affirm that, and yet I also want to say. When the Apostle Paul says, Watch it or God might kill you. Yeah.
2: Shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be doing that work? <laughs> Some
1: have fallen asleep.
2: Leading up to it? You know, yeah. shouldn't we be preparing well, well, to come the to the table? table. Like, sure. We mm-hmm. should be doing that work.
1: Yeah. I agree.
3: But, but
2: I, Like know. he says, when you come.
1: Mm-hmm. However, however, um, I, I I think that I mean clearly there's gonna be rejoicing in that great eternal
2: so I'm not, day am or, I or or not reformed day. enough in my You're
1: not reformed enough. And that's understandable you're in an OPC church. But mm, um You can take the girl out of the Bible Baptist <laughs> church, but you can't take the Bible Baptist church out of the girl. No, no I Bible mean, people is are going very you know, Welch's. No, no people are going to think I'm I'm saying don't rejoice in the Lord's supper. I'm certainly not saying that. Mm-hmm. However, I do think that this side of glory, a solemnity is probably what's appropriate because when i'm thinking through and considering my sin mm-hmm. and the gravity of it and the communion
2: of the saints though of that mm-hmm. you know i don't know just
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's not just me and god at that moment that's right yeah. that's right it's a whole communion you're of the absolutely saints. right
1: yeah okay i will i will give permission for a brief smile okay during thanks. the <laughs> supper. <laughs> No, no, fist pumps. <laughs> no, no, fist bumps. at all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not asking for fist pumps, but just hey, I don't know.
3: Yeah, no, no. so I, very American. Yes,
1: so I, very. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I Everything mean, think has to the be early kind of church. Disneyfied. <laughs> in some Disneyfied. Of, you know. <laughs> oh man. <Okay>. Oh, Whatever. <laughs> Carl, be patient with Amy. She oh wait, is,
2: I'm she... supposed to be wrapping this thing uh-huh. up. You, you right. are. Yeah, we're waiting up. on you. Yeah, maybe I'll cut you short now. We're waiting on you. My authoritative voice to close this podcast down oh yes this feels good i'm smiling while i do it and rejoicing okay um yeah so thank you for listening to this episode of mortification of spin we really appreciate the questions as you can see we um you know just kind of have this very cad todd's getting up right now while i'm talking i think it's because i said the word authority
1: yeah i'm I'm disobeying you
2: oh my goodness I can't even be authorized (laughs) to close a podcast. Well, thank you for listening.
1: close the podcast this
2: time oh yeah that's right you commanded me to do we it did. because i didn't so even want to do it this time we'll just submit and see do how i it, fell really? into this this is ridiculous and now i can't even exercise my authorized position <laughs> to do it well anyway if you go over to our website at mortificationofspin.org you don't have to click on any of todd's articles if you don't want to read his articles but all three of us are writing Worst over there at the blog ever and um You know, we want to give you something for having to listen to Todd through all this, and you you need a reward for your labor. So um, you can register to win a copy of Welcome to a Reformed Church by Daniel Hyde, uh, published by Reformation Trust, and a few of you will be uh, able to win that. And um, we are listener-supported podcasts, so... um, If you want to continue to hear the famous Carl Truman answer your questions, um, we would also appreciate you leaving a donation. Uh, We have a donation button where you can do that there. Or just, uh, you know, your prayers for our podcast are very much appreciated as well. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Will I see him on the TV Preaching about the promised lands
1: He tells me believe in Jesus steals
2: the money from my hands some say he was a good man Lord I think he seen and give me something to believe in. theres Lord above. I give
0: And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about...
2: In any relationship, you have these struggles. I don't think that is the the main or dominant understanding of what desire means, Mm -hmm. that her desire is more general. She'll still love a husband and want to be married, despite the fact that historically, across time and across cultures, husbands have had much more power over women.
0: That interview is next time. Join us then.
1: say something positive about you no, um no. you actually handle critique well kind of like a man would and
0: um, oh <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. woo-hoo! laughs> no you yeah.
1: you're an honorary guy does that we mean there really is going to be a push-up um, competition you scene? you you possess you possess you possess some of the emotional maturity that typically men do yeah. and so that's really good amy yeah. that you arise above Your womanhood (laughs) to possess some of the qualities that typically are reserved for men. You are incapable of complimenting a woman. And so thank you for (laughs) not being so hysterical. Amy, Amy, now listen. Somebody hold my beer. He just said hysterical. Amy, (laughs) let's let's be rational now, Amy, okay? Uh, No, no.